Happy 2023, Riley, and everyone listening to this podcast. Boy, has this been a long interlude between episodes. I really didn't think it would last this long. Uh, Riley, I see you've grown a beard since we last spoke, and um, you've gained a tattoo. Is that a wheelbarrow tattoo? It's the Wheel of Fortune, actually. And I've also, in the interim, gained the power of prophecy. Oh, do tell. Yeah. Well, I, I just foretell what's going to happen. Like? Well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to scare you. No, no, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to frighten you. I want your last days to be happy ones. What? I want you to be outside with your kids and, and enjoy your life. Like now? Like I should be heading out there now? I'm not saying anything. Just be happy, Dan. I, I just want you to be happy. I love it when our stupid openings end up, and we don't, again, I think we've said this before, we don't plan these, but I love it when uh, we do this and it kind of has a natural segue to the actual show. Oh, that sounds promising. Yeah. By the way, should we acknowledge the elephant in the room? Yes. We were gone for a week. We were gone for a week. Nothing fancy, just life got in the way. Boy, did life get in the way. Folks, we apologize, but it was one of those occasions where there were so many things going on in our professional lives that we just could not find a time that was mutually acceptable to record for you. And I felt so bad. And honestly, Dan and I tried to move heaven and earth to make it happen. Well, I didn't. I didn't care. Well, I told you that too. I said, I don't give a damn about our fans or the people that, uh, you know, like to listen to our show. Well, that's very evident by your podcasts. I did a uh, fast food marathon where every uh, two hours I went to a different fast food restaurant for two weeks. Uh, also, we should probably say, Riley, welcome to The Weird. I'm Dan. This is... The Weird. And I'm Riley Stewart. Oh, yeah. You're... The Weird, you're Riley. Oh, I thought you wanted me to say the name of the show. No, I said that. Okay. Well, you're not even I... listening to me. Well, this is starting off just the way we left off, isn't it? I thought you'd like that. I thought I'd remind you of your wife. <laughs> Uh, also, I should note, good listener, that you may hear some different sounds in this as I say it. I'm recording uh, tonight from my basement, my subterranean room. I've got a new setup here that I'm, I'm excited about. However, this is a bit of an experiment because I can already hear stomping above me. And if you've been listening to this show, you know that my children love to move. And uh, so there, can you hear that? <laughs> Your children making ambient noise is like part of the magic. I guess, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's, so just, it's, it's part yeah. of the experience. I think we just have to embrace it. Sure. All right. Are you ready to get into our story for this week? I'm so ready. I actually feel a bit deprived because we haven't uh, had a recording in mm -hmm. you know a couple of weeks. Yeah. If people wonder how we do this, I, I have no problem sharing it. Dan and I meet every two weeks to record two episodes that night. So we record twice a month. And out of that, uh, out of those sessions, we get four recordings. It's like Jeopardy, where they record months worth of episodes in a few weeks. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But the um, there's not as much cash involved. Well, you aren't seeing the accounts. No, I'm not. That's for certain. Tell me a story. Sorry? Tell me a story. Something to keep my bad dreams away. This is another story that I had never heard about that is actually quite famous. And I keep finding these. And I mean, I guess that's partly because I'm not someone who, you know, was always seeking these types of stories out uh, prior to doing this show. I certainly liked them. I thought they were interesting, but I wouldn't say I was in, you know, a buff on this stuff. So I think this is one that 
many people may have already heard about. It's actually been featured on a number of TV shows, you know, the the hokey ones that we've talked about, but even some of the bigger ones like Unsolved Mysteries. Uh-huh. And I was reading an article actually from the producers of that show, which has been running for like what? It was on in the 90s and then it's, it's returned uh, recently onto Netflix. Have you watched the new iteration? No. It's not the same. No, no, it can't be. But they really go in depth on the mysteries in the new iteration. And I, I don't, I don't enjoy it as much. I liked the old show where you'd get like, you know, three or four stories, good stories per episode. Right. And I loved my favorite part of the old iteration was I loved the cheesy stagings. Yes, that's right. There was another show like that back in the nineties that did that. Uh, where they would have cheesy reenactments of the stories that they were talking about. The reenactments are the best part. And did you ever notice on the reenactments that they used to do on um, on Unsolved Mysteries that they would never have speaking roles because then they wouldn't have to pay them more? Oh, is that right? Yeah, the reenactments always had him doing the voiceover. And there was just people, you know, a woman looking concerned as she was about to die. And they would never have speaking parts because um, they wouldn't have to pay them that extra money you have to pay if you speak. Wow. So they would be paid like an extra. Well, they would be paid no non-speaking principal, right? Right. We okay, know that okay. because we're an actor. If you if you speak, it's a whole different. Yes, it is. Ball of wax. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so this show was ranked. Uh, sorry, this uh, story was ranked uh, by the producer of or one of the producers of that show as one of the most puzzling and unsettling that that show ever covered. Ooh, I mean, in its whole history. It's actually, and it's been turned into a movie uh, called The Haunting in Connecticut 2. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Well, I did an episode already. On the fir- on the haunting of Connecticut. Well, the story that was the fuel for the haunting of Connecticut script, yeah. This yeah. was the, this is the sequel, but not connected to your story. At all. At no, least, I, oh my God, I hope not. I hope not too. A, I'm losing my mind and have completely forgotten a whole episode. And B, uh, you know, it... Uh, you're, look be at you desperately episode. searching for a B and B. Um, yeah, uh, it, because I'm tired and I had a, a second thing in my head and then I forgot it. That's making me think, oh my God, maybe we have done this show before. Do you know what my last two weeks have been? Me coming up to the top of the stairs, getting to the top of the stairs and going, why the fuck am I at the top of the stairs? Why am I up here? What was I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Because so many thoughts have occurred to me between yeah. getting up and going to the top of the stairs that whatever my my mission was has been completely blown out of my head. Uh, it's getting old, man. All right, let's begin. Let's begin. Out in... Okay, can you hear the squeaking? That's my dog. I can't hear it. With a toy. Okay, good. Tell me if you hear weird noises. Well, it's your house. We're going to always hear weird noises in your house. Out in rural Georgia in the southern United States. I'm assuming most people know Georgia. It's a very... The peach state, I believe. It is indeed. uh, Sweeter than a Georgia peach. That's you, Dan. Yeah. Is uh, Is a small rural town called Ellerslie. And it's a very quaint quiet area which you know is is a very sleepy town and within that town is this very cute little bungalow it is a rather nondescript little home one you could find pretty much in any town in fact if you walked by this house today you wouldn't look twice at it you know i love bungalows because bungalows have big basements yeah they do i had a bungalow when i was up till the age of uh, seven however it was here where starting from 1989, a strange tale of the paranormal would begin to unfold, which would change an entire family's life and which has permeated the property and tormented that family right up into the present day. Mm. The young 
Wyrick family, Andrew, Lisa, and their five-year-old daughter, Heidi, had moved to the town after buying their very first house. The town was very small with a population at the time of about 3,000 people. Oh, that's a small town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a small little rural town. And at first it was like a dream come true. And although the three-bedroom home was modest, it was their first step towards a new life and the first place they could really call their own. They were excited to make this their forever home. Mm, It's starting out like Amityville. A little bit. Things couldn't have been better, and it was everything they'd hoped for. But then some strange incidents began to unfold, starting with Heidi claiming that there was a kindly elderly man with long gray hair and wearing a suit, tie, and shiny black shoes who had come onto the property and talk to her. She said that the man's name was Gordy and that he would talk to her and tell her stories as well as sit on the swings outside and even sometimes hold her hand. Okay, it already got super creepy. Lisa, the mom, witnessed Heidi on a few occasions looking out the window at her daughter playing with her hand reaching upwards and floating in the air like she was holding an invisible person's hand. So sort of walking along. And here we go into spooky town. Lisa would ask whose hand she was holding, and Heidi would say that it was Mr. Gordy. This was a little disturbing to the parents, and the thought of a creepy old man coming to talk to their daughter unsettled them, despite the fact that their daughter said he was very friendly and not at all menacing. So in their mind, this is not a ghost. This is an actual old man who's coming to visit their daughter while she's playing. Indeed, indeed. You know what I'm fixated on now? What's that? And shiny black shoes. And that's a quote, like that, that's not me putting those words together. That's how she described it. Very shiny black shoes. I don't know why, but that got right in there. I'm unsettled by the shiny black shoes. So they kept an eye on her and noticed that she would sit outside talking to herself after no old man materialized under their watch. They sort of chalked it up as you would to a child's imagination, thinking Gordy was just, you know, an imaginary friend. I think I've talked about this before. My my niece, my oldest niece, had an imaginary friend. Um, I think his name was Slimy or show, show Me. It was weird. It was a Jaime. I think his name was Jaime. And and there, there were two of them. And it was odd. It was unsettling to watch her talk to these people because she really believed they were there. I mean, Jaime was the name of the robot on Get Smart. It wasn't Jaime. It was something like that. But it was weird. It was names that you would... You just weren't common names. It's odd. Like, and you talk to her now and she'll say, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Oh, she'll, she owns it. Oh yeah. 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 I should talk to her more about that. But anyway, creepy, but this is what they think. They think they've just moved. Their daughter doesn't have any friends. She's very young. She's only five years old at this point. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. She's a young kid. So it's not out of the ordinary for a child that age to have imaginary friends. Absolutely. But- There are so many paranormal stories involving young kids with invisible friends. I mean, again, I hate to reference it, but Amityville, right? There's so many of them. So Heidi's mother would later say in a quote, I would see her out in the yard and see her hand raised holding someone's hand. Many times I would hear her talking, but never heard anybody talk back. Heidi spoke about Mr. Gordy a lot, and this friend seemed to be around all the time. Well, she thought it was peculiar. Lisa still tried to support her daughter, assuming that she was just trying to cope, you know, as I mentioned, with the move. Mm -hmm. I saw him up until I was eight years old on an everyday basis. 
we would sit and have conversa- uh, conversations, and then he would take me by the hand and we would go and play on the swing, said Heidi years later. Mm-hmm. Heidi explained when reminiscing about that time that she had no idea Mr. Gordy wasn't real when she was a kid. In her mind, this was an actual real person in her world. Yeah. She could see him, touch him, and hear That's him. That's unsettling. Well, as eerie as that was... There would be other phantom visitors to the young girl, and some of these were a little more spooky than a lurking old man as would be. Can I make a segue? Because you know that's why I'm here. Oh, you don't mean the vehicle. I just, yeah. I wanted to mention that of all the movies I have ever seen, in my estimate, the spookiest old man that has ever graced the screen is in not a great movie, but a memorable movie nonetheless called Poltergeist 2. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, he died not long after the movie is made. He is the creepiest old man. Listeners, if you're out there and you listen to this episode and you want to comment, let me know if you agree that the old man from Poltergeist 2 is absolutely blood-curdlingly unsettling. That's all. I was going to, I thought you were going to say Gene Wilder in Blazing Saddles. Do you know I've never seen Blazing Saddles? It's dated. Yeah, I've seen um, him in Silver Streak and, of course, Willy Wonka and Young Young Frankenstein. Not see no evil, hear no evil? No. Which I tried to watch during the pandemic and it's it did not age well. No, I, no. So you've seen him in enough things. He had a very kind face. He was married to one of the most Gilda brilliant Rainer. comedians ever to come out of Saturday Night Live. She could have had yeah. such an incredible career and she died so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he was apparently just by her side and the most incredible caretaker you'd ever want to have. Mm-hmm. So hats off to Gene. I've never heard a bad story about him. Not that I'm an expert on him, but he, yeah, from all intents and purposes, he was well loved. Fuck Johnny Depp. Where did that come? Oh, because Gene Wilder will Willy always Wonka. be Willy Wonka. Well. There it is, folks. All right, so uh, back to poor Heidi here. Poor Heidi. So she's been visited by uh, this this old man who, for all intents and purposes, seems harmless and, and maybe helpful to this young girl. One day, though, Heidi went to answer uh, the door. The doorbell rings, and she goes to get the door. When she opens it, she sees a man with an injured hand, of, I should say a mangled hand, and a blood-soaked shirt standing in the doorway. Uh. She l- rushed from the door and went to get her mom, uh, saying that a there was an injured man at the door that needed her help and that his name was Khan. And she was pulling on her mom to go. Was it Ricardo Montal- Montalban in a, uh, in a weird outfit? It was. This is the beginning of Paradise Island. Oh, no, I was thinking of The Wrath of Khan, the Star Trek movie. This is the beginning of Star Trek II, <laughs> The Wrath of Khan. And it was Fantasy Island. Khan, that's where you're going with yeah, that. Yeah, not, not Paradise Island. Paradise Island sounds like a cheesy show where pretty people go and fuck. Fantasy Island is what I was trying to think of. Smiles, everyone. So let me have my moment here. I'm trying to de- describe a, a spooky moment. I haven't moment. talked to anybody in a while. Can you tell? Well, I just can't shut up. Put you back in your box. So uh, Heidi sees this person, goes to get her mom to get help. Obvi- obviously, Lisa runs to the door to see who's there. She's concerned. Uh, but when Lisa gets to the door, there is nobody there. So concerned that perhaps an injured person was actually in trouble and and or maybe that there's a creep again lurking around uh, their house. Lisa contacts Andrew, the dad, uh, to see if maybe he can come help. Um, you know, she's worried about her safety, but also in the interviews that she gave, she was more concerned thinking an injured person is, is 
in need of help. Of course. When he arrived home, they searched all over the neighborhood, but didn't find anybody that matched that description. They asked neighbors, did you see anybody that had a nearly severed hand walking around with a blood all over his shirt? And no one had. This continued to happen. Heidi continued to see uh, Gordy and sometimes even Khan. Khan would make appearances here and there uh, and was always sort of in the same state. But Heidi was never afraid of Khan in any way. It came to pass that Lisa would mention these incidents to her sister Joyce, who happened to live nearby. And in some accounts that I've read, she's their next door neighbor, but whatever. She was she lived close. And this is where things would become even more bizarre still. I should also preface this with there are two deferring accounts. I'm going with the account that is repeated most often in the source material that I was working on okay. in terms of what happens next. And I'll explain. So Joyce called the real estate agent and asked for the previous owner's information. She's agreed to help Lisa. This is weird. Let's see if, you know, if I can find out maybe what's going on. So Joyce discovered that the previous homeowner's name was Kelly. I didn't get a last name. She called Kelly and got together with her to learn about the house. Kelly told her that a man named James Gordy had owned the house before her and put her in touch with Catherine Ledford, a member of his family. Catherine verified that James died in 1974, that he owned a real estate company in Columbus, and for many years he was a Sunday school superintendent at Ellison Methodist Church. Although she had no photographs of him, she corroborated Heidi's description of him having gray hair and wearing a suit, tie, and shiny black shoes. It all comes back to the shoes. Right? It was just a thing that he wore. Joyce told Lisa what she learned, and obviously Lisa then began to panic, realizing that Gordy was the name of Heidi's imaginary friend. Lisa decided to sit down with Heidi and explain to her that Mr. Gordy had died, that this person that she was seeing wasn't real, that he had passed a long time ago. Okay. For some reason, when she learned of this, Heidi asked to visit his grave, oh. which was in the you know the Baptist cemetery there. There wouldn't have been many places to choose from. Lisa decided to bring her and somehow Heidi, when they went, seemed to know exactly where his grave was. And what's even weirder is that at this point, apparently she didn't even know how to read. So it's not like she was looking, oh, wow. she could read the tombstones even. She brought her mom directly to the tombstone and said, this is where Mr. Gordy is. Okay, buried. I think that has to be one of my favorite little gotcha details of story, of any of the stories we've told. That's on my top 10 list for sure. She brought them right okay. to the tombstone. I love that. Working off a hunch, Lisa called Kelly and asked her if she would come over and bring some old family photos to the house, specifically ones that might include relatives that were deceased. Kelly and Lisa sat down with Heidi and went through the photos. And apparently the way I've, in one account that it was described, they, they tried to do this in as scientific uh, of a way as possible. Uh, they said something along the lines of, hey, like this is an old friend of mine who used to live here and she thought it'd be fun to look at some old photos, want to look at them with us, that type of thing. So it wasn't a setup like, tell us where Mr. Gordy is. It was, hey, let's look at these yeah, photos. It was, it, was, it, was, it was gentle. It was not, it didn't frighten her. No. Um, one of the photos Kelly brought made Heidi stop. She pointed at a man in one of the photos and said, this is the man that came to our door hurt. Oh. Kelly was flabbergasted and said that the man was her uncle Lon, bachelor, and that he had lost his hand in a cottage accident when he was 20 years old and that he had died in 1957 
from cancer. Oh, wow. So she interpreted his name as Khan, but really his name was Lon, and that apparently was his nickname. His, his nickname was Khan. Weird. Okay, I would have just run out of the house screaming. Very weird. So they have this they have this description of, of Mr. Gordy. You know, the woman says, Yeah, that's what my you know, what what he uh, looked like. And then also this this con is also a relative. Can I ask you a question? And I hope I don't screw you up like you always do when you ask me questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll just lie. So these lie. people that were visiting this child aren't associated with that property. No, Mr. Gordy owned the house. That they were living in. Right. But this con person was not. He apparently, no, and I can answer this one for you. So he, he lived in the house next door. Okay. Okay. It was a family, one family living next to the so other. So what are we like looking at here? Is it like Danny from The Shining? Is, is it a. <sighs> well, we'll get to it. Okay. Okay. We'll get to it. The family brought in some experts and we'll get to that later in the story that maybe shed some light on why this was happening. I think it's a twofold okay, answer. Okay, perfect. So in the meantime, Heidi continued to claim that she would see other mysterious figures and even animals wandering about the property. And considering the strange circumstances of her sightings of Gordy and Khan, the parents were becoming convinced that these were no mere imaginary friends, but that she could actually see spirits. And I think this is important, again, from the accounts from the parents, they really didn't want to believe these were spirits. They held on for as long as they could, thinking this is just weird and it must be an imaginary friends and these are coincidences. Right. I, I get that. I would be uh, in a similar frame of mind if my child was going through that kind of trauma. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I get for it. For the next four years, Heidi continued to encounter the benevolent spirits of James Gordy and Lon Batchelor, both of whom, of course, had long been dead. But things were going to get Darker. Of course, they get darker. They always get darker. Uh, tonight, I sound like a bitter old woman in a rocking chair. I'm just like rocking away. Of course, they get darker. They always get darker. Rub my feet, Jimmy. I like to think right now that you smell of mothballs. I smell good, actually. I took a shower just before the podcast. Oh, well, there I'm we go. I'm as fresh as a summer day. Do you use soap? Do I use, what, what, uh, what alternative is there? No, I use my own mixture of lard and salt. Just scrubs the dirt right out. I knew someone uh, that used to not use soap. They would like ha they had like a special piece of wood to scrape the oils off their body. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, I don't think they do it anymore. That's disgusting. I also knew somebody in the winter who would only wash their armpits and groin because they said that's all you had Why? to do. And experts say that's true, but I don't care. I don't want to go on a date with that person. Yeah. I don't want to share a bed with that person. I don't want to share a taxi with that person. I've gone a few days with not washing my hair because sometimes actually you can do better things with your hair when you go a couple days. But anything after three, then it's gross. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Continue. Thank you. So in 1993, <laughs> in 1993, Lisa became pregnant and that's when things really started to take a dark turn for the Wyrick family. Heidi had never been scared of anything, Lisa recalled. She'd never, ever, ever been scared of Khan. She'd never been scared of Mr. Gordy. But when she saw a dark figure in her hallway one day, she was hysterical. No doubt. Heidi started telling her parents that something bad was in the house. She referred to this bad thing as a dark figure that would appear as a, a, like a dark shadow, a silhouette of a person in the house. She said that the dark figure made would often make her room colder when it was present. 
And it began eventually to actually start hitting her and pulling her hair. Sometimes it would be like a shove. Sometimes it would be a bit more of a forceful hit that would actually cause her pain. Oh my God. On one occasion, Heidi woke up to find three deep scratches on her face. She ran to her parents to get help and they just sort of chalked it up to, well, you probably scratched yourself in your sleep while you were yeah. sleeping. Even with everything going on, they, they still assumed that this was an accident and that she did it to herself. Because up to this point, there had been no like poltergeist-like activity in that home. So she was just seeing manifestations, but there wasn't any anything moving, anything, nothing like that. No, it started, this is where it starts though, right? She She's getting pushed and pulled and but she's the only one experiencing it. No one else in the family has seen evidence that this is actually happening. But that changes. Two days later, Andrew, the dad, woke up to find identical deep gashes on his body and face. And uh, the way it was described is three. So it's not like a human hand, five fingers, you know, or even four fingers. It's three. And they were deep, apparently, with him. Like he needed medical attention to is fix it. Is it a this. velociraptor? This is the beginning of Jurassic Park. Boom, boom. We spared no expense. Heidi told her dad that it was the dark figure that had done this to them. Lisa and Andrew obviously started, they began talking about moving, but they felt like we could move, but will this follow us? Is it this house or is it our daughter that is sort of the, the, the focal point of this? Like if we moved and we spent all this money, we leave our dream home. Is it going to just continue? As time went on, the parents also began to experience supernatural occurrences. They began seeing objects moving on their own and doors slamming shut or opening with absolutely no one around. There was one day when, this is a freaky one, there was one day when Heidi was playing with an actual friend uh, in their living room and Lisa was sort of looking on from a distance. Lisa described that uh, a chair was pulled out by an invisible force and flipped over as if it was thrown, which actually ended up resulting in Heidi getting oh, hurt. Oh, wow. Yeah. On some nights, Lisa claimed to hear voices speaking over her bed, and she said these voices whispered about her, often repeating her name over and over. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Like that kind of weird, creepy, chanting-y type stuff. On February 3rd, 1994, so this is almost five years now since they've moved in and these things have begun, uh, Heidi's sister Jordan was born. And with these occurrences gaining in frequency, the family tried another avenue for support. Andrew and Lisa reached out to a somewhat renowned Dr. William Roll, who was a parapsychologist in the area. Okay. Do you know anything? About, I didn't realize that it's an actual branch of psychology. Yeah, yeah. There's some universities had parapsychological. Did I say that right? Parapsychological. I think I did. Parapsychological departments and people studying it. Like, So I wanted to know more about it in doing my research. And I found a great article in Psychology Today. Like it's like, this is an actual sort of respected field of psychology. It has its issues. I think so, it's fringy. I think it's a fringe kind it of. It is. And I bet there's a lot of people with parapsychological degrees working at, in the fast food industry. So for those who don't know, parapsychology is a field of study that investigates paranormal or psychic phenomena, including purported mental abilities, such as telepathy. Telepathy? Telepathy. Telepathy is a fish. Telepa, telep- 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> Telepathy and telekinesis. Parapsychologists aim to test the existence and explore the nature of experiences and abilities in the paranormal realm. I'm not going to go on too much longer about this, but so while historical demonstrations and notions about psychic phenomena have often been shown to be false, Contemporary parapsychologists have sought to use the scientific method, which I think is interesting, to test their hypotheses with empirical evidence. Nevertheless, even some of the most high-profile research into apparent psychic phenomena have been challenged due to methodological. Very good. Yeah, that's a tongue twister, and you did it. Oh, my God. So Andrew and Lisa told Dr. Roll everything that happened. They filled him in. Um, you know, they, they mentioned Gordy and, and Lon, but also, you know, some of the scarier stuff that had begun happening in the, over the course of the Can last Can I ask you a year. question? And it's not to be a smart ass. Lon, are you spelling that L-O-N like Lon Chaney, the famous exactly. horror actor? Okay. L-O-N. Exactly okay. Right. Thank you. That's all I needed. So he, he actually visited their home in September of 1994. Before arriving, Will was able to dig up some photos of uh, this Mr. Gordy. And uh, when these photos were mixed with some others, Heidi was able to immediately correctly point out the man she claimed she had seen on the property. There we go. So he kind of did the same thing that they did for Lon. Yeah, pretty cool. After talking extensively with the family, Roll became convinced that the girl was indeed seeing spirits. And he would save it, and I quote... She came up with physical descriptions and with names that she could apparently could not have obtained in any ordinary way. So that immediately made me interested in the case. A couple of pictures had been found of Mr. Gordy. The hope was that Heidi would be able to identify Mr. Gordy's picture if they were presented to her with a number of other photographs. Having spoken to Heidi and her parents, I'm even more convinced that we are dealing with genuine parapsychological experiences. Then the question comes up, why are these things happening to this little girl? Not long after, the media learned about the Wyrick home. A reporter drove out to the house, and this is a little side a little side bit. Apparently, a reporter drove up to the house and claimed to have gotten such an awful feeling from it as he went up the, the laneway right. that he turned around and left. He didn't bother going in and didn't cover the story. Yeah, so he was so off-put by the feeling that he he dropped the story altogether. The community learned the family and their troubles, and Heidi ended up getting, and the family ended up getting, a lot of unwanted attention as a result. At the time, this was not something the family wanted to be made public. They were mortified that people knew and were worried they would be the laughing stock of the town. And I can understand that. Again, small town you want to be those yeah, people? Yeah, you, you said you know? the town comprised, what, 3,000 people? 3, everybody's going to know and everybody's going to look at you sideways. And we, we've talked a lot about this before about, you know, whether or not something is true. And you brought up Amityville earlier. That's, I think, one of the big knocks against that story is how quickly they publicized the events that occurred there and how they monetized the experience. Did they ever, yeah. You know, with- yeah, the Lutz family are still, I think, are still collecting royalties from all those properties. Yeah. So, and this is different. They didn't want this to get out, and it did. Yeah, exactly. They've talked about it since, but they don't like it. Amazing. Lisa and Joyce remembered, and as all of this continued to unfold, they, they, they apparently had a conversation later on where they remembered that their mother used to talk about seeing people and hearing voices. They all sort of brushed it off as... Mom, you know, oh. kind of being weird and, and didn't really believe it. They, they sort of just thought that she was messing around with them and, and having some fun as, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. 
parents sometimes will do with their kids. Uh, but now they believe that maybe seeing spirits actually ran in the family. Oh, I love stories like this. I love it. After this discussion, Lisa and Joyce said that they began to experience more paranormal activity. Also, Lisa found her her youngest daughter, Jordan, speaking to someone when she was also about the age of three. Jordan told her that she was playing with a new friend who was a little girl. Heidi told her mom that this little girl was friendly, but this didn't make Lisa feel any better. Okay, so I got to stop you and ask you a question because I've run across this in my readings and, you know, research for this show a lot. These are all women, right? Jordan is a, is a yeah, little girl. Yeah, because these powers or these abilities or... To uh, like have that extra yeah, sense. Yeah, that extra sense is, is the always sense. in the female part of the family. It's most commonly passed from female to female. Yeah, traditionally. Interesting. Do you think it's just because women are more intuitive traditionally? Perhaps, eh? Uh, yeah, and more in tune with their emotions and feelings. And, and the emotions and feelings around them as well. Yeah. Well, look, we have friends that claim to have seen ghosts and, and, and things like that. I've always so badly wanted to see a ghost. I never have. Well, I think in the first or second episode, I told you about what happened the night my mother died in my home. And to me, that's the closest I've ever come to experiencing something. So they're worried, you know, uh, as they should be. So they actually called Dr. Roll back to see if he could help them more. He confirmed what they feared earlier, but now they need some real help. He called a well-known psychic and asked her to come to the home. And apparently the psychic instantly sensed a little girl in the home, as well as a spirit that uh, she believed to be Mr. Gordy. The psychic also said that there were three dark spirits in the house. The family wanted more answers and called for a second psychic to come. The second psychic said that there were three demonic entities in the house. Oh no. She said that one of the demons was trying to live in Jordan's room, the little girl. And she said that there was a second demon trying to attach itself to Heidi, but that a good spirit was fighting it off and that they believed this good spirit to be Mr. Gordy. What does attach itself mean? Is this like hinting at possession? Yeah, I think that's what I, I took that. Yeah, okay. And I love that image. I love, I, it actually made me a little emotional, but that image of this kind old man sort of standing guard by this little girl protecting It reminds her. me of, of Gandalf going, you shall not pass. Yeah. Uh, the psychic said that the third demon uh, would travel between the living room and the wall over the parents' bed, and that might be what they were hearing with the whispering and things like that. She told them, and this is going back to what you had asked near the beginning of the show, uh, she told them that there was a portal in the family's living room uh, between the spirit world and the real world and that demonic entities could find their way through the portal and that when they did, that they didn't want to leave. They liked too much in this mortal plane. She said, and I find this kind of funny, she said that the portal was in the fireplace and that everything that had come through was sticking around. It was like a, it was like a port key from Harry Potter. Remember, they traveled through the fireplace. Yeah. Feeling helpless, the family asked, their pastor to come and cleanse the house of evil spirits. He came and blessed it, but it didn't seem to work as the family had hoped. In fact, things got much worse for the family. Uh. Heidi and Jordan started to experience more violent attacks, scrapes, scratches, uh, things being thrown. The family was hit by objects flying through the, the kitchen and it, it was 
a very scary and unpleasant experience. And that culminated one night when uh, Heidi was awakened by a very bad feeling. Uh, She sensed the dark presence at the end of her bed. And so she screamed for her parents to come in. Uh, Andrew and Lisa ran in to discover Heidi upside down over the floor. Oh, wow. So the way that Heidi described it and what she saw is that this thing grabbed her by the ankle, yanked her really hard off the bed and was just holding her up in the air with one hand by one ankle. And the parents couldn't see it, but they could see their daughter floating upside down. Well, now that would be upsetting. Imagine that. God. So it was at this time that the family decided one way or the other, we have to leave. Probably uh, Probably a wise decision. Yeah. Unfortunately for them, this did not stop their wanted visitors from making frequent appearances. As an adult, Heidi is still, to this day, seeing spirits. What? Yes. I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. But despite her encounters with the paranormal, Heidi has actually gone on to leave uh, to live a seemingly normal life. She's married, has kids of her own. She reports that she has not seen Mr. Gordy for years. However, she continues to see the mysterious dark figure, as well as numerous other spirits. The sightings are so frequent that she now takes them in stride. No explanation has ever been made for her visions. And she says, I can sense when it's an evil presence or if it's a good presence. If I sense evil, you wouldn't believe the feelings you can get. I've literally been sick to my stomach. Most of the time, I've learned to keep a lot of it to myself, and I really don't even notice it. You get used to seeing things after a while. Every day, every day, I wish these things wouldn't have happened because my life would be so much different. I wouldn't be known for something like this. It has been debated as to what occurred here with this family. Were these ghosts or perhaps something even more demonic somehow drawn to Heidi Wiernick? And if so, why? Did she simply have some gift for seeing dead people and spirits? And what about the poltergeist activity and attacks? Was this from some supernatural entity or perhaps even Heidi's own mind lashing out with some pent-up supernatural power? which we've talked about, like with the Roland Doe case, right? The, right, of course, yeah. These things will often attack preteen kids or, or young Well, teenagers. and poltergeist activity focuses almost exclusively on adolescent girls, right? Yeah, yeah. well, weird, because eh? I think it's because when you're in that state, it is such a heightened emotional time for you. I mean, I don't know about you, but there was no time in my life where I've ever been so emotionally fucked up than when I was... Probably from middle school, from, <laughs> from middle school, probably to my early twenties, I was just all over the place. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. More questions: Why is it that this activity would follow around this one family and remain tethered to Heidi well into adulthood? Or was this a con job, an elaborate hoax perpetrated by the family? There's no real way to know, and the bizarre case of the Wyrick House continues to be much talked about and debated to this day. Sadly, Andrew died recently at the age, I believe he was only 45 years old. And apparently this family was, has been tormented. This had very negative, a very negative impact on their lives. It is not something that they have celebrated and certainly they are reluctant to even talk about it. Okay. So that was my big question for you was how much money was made? I wonder like with the, so it's a public story. The story got, went to the public domain. Right. I don't know that they made any money on the making of the haunting in Connecticut to 
Electric Boogaloo, I believe, is the full title. Anything that is called something too is always going to be Electric Boogaloo. Electric Do you know I tried to watch Break Into Electric Boogaloo and it was unwatchable. Yeah. So they, they I, I don't know. I don't know that they, they did make any money off of it. It's a, it's a public domain story, mm-hmm. right? They, they didn't have a book made about it. It's not even set in Georgia, that movie. It's inspired. I think it's inspired by. Right. Well, they, they took it and gave it the Hollywood treatment to make it attractive to moviegoers, right? Uh, yeah. You know, of all the things we've ever talked about, and now we're getting into, you know, we're, we're in our 60, 60th episodes here. Um, this is the one that most, to me, yeah. closely touches on the idea that, and I hate always quoting Stephen King, but I mean, I have to. It, it touches on the idea of like people like Danny who just shine and they're beacons for um, supernatural presences. I mean, he introduces that concept in The Shining, right? Danny Torrance mm-hmm. is that person. He can see what other people can't, and those entities are therefore attracted to him. Why? Or you think of, and we mentioned, The Sixth Sense, right? Where this little boy has that ability, yes. that shine ability, and he just, and, and maybe these entities are attracted to people like this because they're conduits. I mean, that's if, if you believe it. I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I find it hard to believe. I, I do. I want to believe that this is true in a way. I want to believe that there are spirits like Mr. Gordy out there or, or, or Khan that, that are benevolent and kind. You know why? A very selfish and simple reason. I want to hope and believe that when we die, it's not all over. That there's a, an opportunity to reconnect with our loved ones. That's where it really boils down to me that... I will see, you know, all the people that passed again when I die and that when, you know, the people that are younger than me die, that I'll see them again too, you know? You know, what's funny is that just goes to highlight how different we are because the appeal to me of that uh, existence after life would be to come back and just raise hell. Oh, I'd go to someone's house and throw shit around. And Well, you probably are, are going to haunt me. Oh, wait, I'm going to pass first according to your... Prophecy. Well, now that I have the gift of pro- I didn't say that. I just said in the next couple of days, just if you want to go to Canada's Wonderland and blow all your money, I would do it. That's really creepy. And you're going to feel horrible if something oh, happens will to happen you. to you. Well, it'd be good for you because this podcast will really probably become epic. If Especially happened. if you die under mysterious circumstances. Oh, you could do an episode on if it. If you're found like way up high in a tree and they can't explain how you got there. <laughs> Jeez. Well, seriously, think of it. Now, if I am, you know, the police are going to come looking for you. So, uh, so you, you liked that story? I did. And I'm going to look this Heidi woman up. I like the idea that she's not somebody I've ever heard of. So that means she's not super in the public eye. And she's like, people aren't showing up at her house to get readings and she's not hiring herself out. She's just living a very normal life. No, I, I think, I think she's actually a psychologist. Oh, I love that. That's even better. She's an ordinary mum living their life with a real job and... Yes. The specific nature of what she described as a child makes me go, huh, you know, because these things are so specific. She didn't say like a little boy came in and laughed at me. These entities that she's describing are very three-dimensional. They are completely fleshed out beings. And that makes me go, hum, maybe there's something here after all. Yeah. The the neighbor piece uh, with, with Khan the how descriptive she was of his injury that the image you know the entity she was seeing was like a young 20 year old that mr gordy had lived in her home why why would why would a child 
have an imaginary friend named Mr. Gore. Is it is it possible his name was written in the basement or something that she saw? It's yes, it is very possible. But then to also tack on a description that resembles him, that's weird. Could that description be generic enough, though, that it could be just about anybody? Yeah, but she also picked these guys out of a photo lineup, basically, right? Yeah. They showed her photographs. She was like, that's him. But that's not scientific either. Like, they could have, who knows? I mean, we're taking them at their word that they they didn't lead her to. You're cynical tonight. No, I'm not cynical. I want to believe. I'm just saying that. That's what cynics will say. But we're not cynics. You can pull cold. I want to be like just on the fence about it all. Me too. And every now and then I'll come across a a story that across, I said across again. Every now and then I'll come across a story that pushes me over the fence. And then I'm like, oh, you know, what's going on? Yeah. And to me, there's been some that really have pushed me, you know, like, oh my God, this is nuts. The Roland Doe one, for example, like that one is... There's so many witnesses. Yeah. So many witnesses that didn't want to talk, you know, begrudgingly did. Do you know what one stayed with me of the, of yours? And this is not quite that kind of story, but I've said it before and I'll say it again, is that giant coning tower that moved during the night, that moved on Long Island. Oh, you mean the Montauk-it project? I don't know why I said it like that. The Montauk-it. I think I'm like Audrey Hepburn. The Montauk-it project, Riley. Get me some orange juice. That's not the best Hepburn I've ever heard. That's it's. So you were more like you're, you're comparing me to the actual person. You're more like the rich man on Gilligan's Island. Love, eh? <laughs> Whatever his name was. Um, yeah, the Montauk Project. I was going to say also though the stuff we did on Area Fifty Two. Area Fifty One. <laughs> no, I'm at the dance club uh, in New York. Area Area Fifty One. There was some stuff in there. There's like, that's weird. Or Shackleton's story, the third man phenomena. There's some that are out there, but gosh darn it, it's hard to exactly, explain. Exactly. So I love the fact we just took 10 minutes to justify ourselves. Um, anyway, um, I loved the story. I liked it because it was gentle and contained. It wasn't a big, big, huge story. It was just this one girl, basically, who was, you know, a beacon. Yeah, that's right. That's my favorite. I think those are becoming my favorite stories to tell. Well, Riley, I think uh, we'll wrap it up here. Folks, thanks so much for listening to The Weird and weathering that one-week vacation that Riley and I took. Uh, We uh, thank you for your continued support wherever you are in the world. Thanks so much for listening. Riley, anything you want to add? we apologize for missing a week. No, well, stop apologizing now. No, I just want to say, would you shut up? I just want to say that I appreciate their understanding, and I know they do. Life happens. Life happens, and... You're assuming that they understood why we were away. You're such a troublemaker. You just... Just you know, the, There's the pot, and you've got to run over and stir it. Debbie in uh, Seattle is probably really well, upset I talked to Marcel in St. Louis just the other day in chat, and he wasn't upset at all. He actually thought that we should take a break. Okay. There we go. Dieter was right from Germany. All right. Uh, so folks, if you enjoy listening to the weird, uh, all we ask is that you spread the word of the weird to your friends, family, coworkers, anyone out on social media that has some, uh, you know, influence, let them know about the show that you like to listen to from uh, week to week. Riley. I got nothing more. Yep. Love you guys. And we'll see you next week with further tales of the weird. Bye now. Good night, everybody. 
Welcome to Paradise Island. I am your host, Mr. Lon. Please, have a cocktail. Have another. <laughs> They're complimentary. <laughs>